It's Wednesday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. On Monday, Jason Moser was on the show. Joining me today, his Irish cousin, Jason O. Moser. Thanks for being here, sir. <laughs> well, top of the morning to you. Uh, we've got software earnings. We've got a bidding war in Silicon Valley, which I am increasingly fascinated by. But we're going to start today with housing. Lennar's first quarter revenue came in higher than expected, and gross margins rose nearly five percentage points. That seems pretty big for a home builder. And let's face it, the housing market is hot. Lennar is one of the biggest home builders in America, so it, it seems right that shares are up a little bit this morning. Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think you said it there. The housing market is definitely hot. Um, and, and certainly management has been saying as much for, for the past several quarters. I mean, when you, when you look to home builders, uh, I mean, it, Lennar really should be one of, if not the first one on your list. I mean, this is the largest U.S. home builder by revenue. And if, if we just look back to what they were saying, even just as recent as September of 2020, uh, the language regarding the market in that in that uh, quarterly earnings release. I mean, they really were harping on the fundamentals in the housing market, uh, remaining strong, uh, driven clearly, obviously by by record low interest rates, but also, generally speaking, just an undersupply of of inventory. I mean, that that really uh, has been has been a big benefit in in this uh, point in time. Where you know, I mean, it's understandable to think that maybe uh, most consumers would have been playing. Pretty heavy defense over the past over the past year, given what's been going on. Uh, the housing market, though, that's just it's just really uh, continued to chug along. If you look at the numbers that they recorded for the quarter, I mean, earnings were up sixty percent, uh, revenue up eighteen percent. If you look at deliveries, up nineteen percent, new orders up twenty six percent. That new order dollar value is actually up thirty one percent, and then backlog. Uh, reflects plenty of activity uh, coming down uh, the pipe here for 2021 as well. Um, if if you look at the the comments from management in the release and in the call, uh, they they just remain believers in the strength of this of this housing market. I mean, interest rates are going to stay relatively low for some time. Uh, we are still in a situation where uh, it, it, there's there's a shortage of homes out there, and now you've got. Uh, this combination of, of low interest rates, strong personal savings, uh, you've got now stimulus that, that has, that has uh, been released here. Um, it, household formation continues to drive demand in, in, around the country. So, all of this put together, I mean, it, it really makes for a good situation for Lennar and other home builders. I, I think again, going back, going back to what I said earlier, I think that if you're looking at the home builder space, this probably needs to be the first one uh, you consider just based on its its size and position in the market. A lot of times, when housing is in the news, um, I shouldn't say a lot of times. Often, when housing is in the news, um, here in the United States. Uh, it's almost as though um, the headline is actually about specific markets, yeah. um, particularly when those markets are getting "quote unquote" overheated. We've seen this just in the past decade with San Francisco, with Seattle, you know, any number of places. It, it, for people who are looking at Lennar for the first time, is there any regionality that they need to take into account, or does Lennar essentially play all over the country? Yeah, I mean, Lennar definitely has a presence in some areas around the country more than others. I, I think it's probably 
probably a little bit misguided to get focused on one particular locality. I mean, I know that that saying in real estate is, is location, location, location. I mean, when you look at home builders, it's, it's obviously they run through cycles. And, and when you, when you look at a, a stock chart for something like a Lennar, for example, I mean, it, it's another one of those businesses where in the near term, it, depending on where you actually start owning the stock, that could really dictate a lot about how your turns uh, shake out, at least at least in the short term. But further out, you, you look at uh, five years versus 10 years. Um, I mean, over five years, it, it's not really any anything impressive, right? It's actually underperformed. But you, you look out over 10 years, and it becomes a lot more apparent. Um, and, and it because you, you've had the chance to just really almost ignore those cycles in in, in the ebb and flow that comes from them. So I, I think again with a, with a company like Lenara, given its scale, given its presence around the country, uh, that that just means investors have to focus less on the locality side of things and really more about just understanding their ultimate goal as an investor in in the length of time they're willing to be patient with holding a a company like a home builder. Fourth quarter results for Coupa Software were better than expected. Revenue was higher than expected. Um, Wall Street was expecting a loss. Coupa posted a surprise profit. Why is this stock down seven percent this morning? <laughs> well, Chris, let's let's go back in time to June of 2020. Um, in in we had actually talked about Coupa's earnings earnings uh, report on on this show, I believe, and and I said at the time while the company was growing like a weed, it was becoming quite apparent that they present a very compelling value proposition to the businesses they serve. That the risk uh, for for a business like this, for an investment like this, at least in the near term. Really, is valuation. I mean, it's it's still a very modest cash flow business, unprofitable, trading for that thirty-five to forty times sales number, as so many of these of these uh, these newer software companies are doing. So, I mean, from a business perspective, I don't think really there's anything to be concerned with here at all. As a matter of fact, I think investors who who uh, have a stake in Coupa should feel pretty good about things. Um, again, I think it really just is valuation more than anything, with the exception of one little one little point that I'll note from from the quarter and and what they expect here coming in in 2020 but if we look at the actual numbers they recorded i mean revenues 163.5 million dollars it was up 47% from a year ago subscription revenue 135 million dollars it was up 37% from the same period last year um, and then if you look at the one of the metrics they used to really to really hammer home how business is growing and how many companies are jumping on board and, and what they're spending through that Coupa's, Coupa platform. The cumulative spend under management is now at $2.3 trillion versus $1.7 trillion a year ago. And so that's, you know, Coupa is all about business spend management, right? The BSM, that, that business spend management. And, and I think a good analogy, they, they even draw it themselves as uh, Coupa is to business spend management, much as Salesforce is to customer relationship management. And I think that that helps hammer home the market opportunity here. But I think the concern, at least today, and it's a fair one, um, it, it's, it's probably a bit more short term in nature. It seems like it's a bit more uh, associated with an acquisition the company made in November of last year. They bought this company called Llamasoft, uh, which ultimately is just bringing more artificial intelligence into their artificial intelligence into their supply chain management offerings. Uh, Llamasoft, that acquisition, it's going to play out on margins here in the coming year. They did note 
uh, for, for the year that margins are probably going to be a little bit pressured. But that really, again, that does seem to be timing-related, acquisition-related. Uh, when you look at the acquisition they made there of Llama, uh, I, I mean, they're bringing on customers, including Boeing and Dannon and Home Depot and Nestle. I mean, really, really big customers. And so, when you couple that along with the network effects that a business like Coupa already boasts, uh, I, I mean, again, I, I think you have to be encouraged with the report and with what the company is doing. Um, I, I think that the the selling uh, the selling of the stock today is is valuation related and probably a little bit of concern on that margin language on the call. But again, I don't think that's really core business related as much as it is growth related. It's something they'll get through, uh, which would then make one think that, well, if you'd like the cut of Koopa's jib, so to speak, then perhaps today uh, is is an interesting opportunity to consider buying a couple of shares. We've certainly talked over the past few months about bit, you know, stocks that have had a great run. And even with the drop today, this is a stock that's up more than 80% over the past year. So, it's, yeah. it's had a great run. But we've talked about any number of stocks that have put up great numbers uh, in terms of their latest earnings, and it falls in that. Uh, it's great, but it's not perfect, and so we see we see that pullback. I, I guess I was just surprised, and you know this business better than I do. I was just surprised because this was so much better <laughs> than Wall Street was expecting. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I it wouldn't have shocked me to see the stock basically flat on this news, but I was like, uh, I don't know. This this really seems like it was a great quarter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's it's a very good lesson for investors, particularly new investors who are really just just kind of getting their feet wet over the past couple of years here, um, but particularly over the last year. If if you if you have this perception that stocks only go up, and and, and price doesn't matter, um, listen, I've got news for you. <laughs> That's not necessarily the case. Um, it, you use those periods when when stocks go down as good learning experiences. I think first and foremost. But but I mean, ultimately, also price does matter. I mean, it, it it is it is something to note when price to sales is essentially the new price to earnings. I mean, that brings forward a lot of growth, a lot of expectations that these companies have to deliver on in the future. It's not to say that they won't, but that does impact your returns. So you have to understand how that how that plays into it. And and, and with everything that Coop is doing well. Again, I mean, at 35 to 40 times sales, you just have to be aware of that with any of these companies that, that you're buying. Um, so, so when you see great results, I mean, investing is really all about the future. And when they're telling us that the future here, at least for the coming year, profitability might might witness some headwinds, regardless of the reason, uh, you know, that's going to be something that probably impacts that really lofty price to sales multiple. Again, I, I don't think it's anything to be terribly concerned about, but I think it's a good lesson for investors. Just always remember that the price does matter, and you want to take that kind of stuff into consideration when you're looking at, the, at these kinds of businesses. Coherent is back in the news. Coherent is a company specializing in equipment to make and measure lasers. Back in January, Coherent agreed to be acquired by Lumentum in a deal worth $5.7 billion. Stick with me here. In February, <laughs> MKS Instruments came in with an offer of $6 billion. After that, 2.6 came in with an offer of $6.4 billion, which leads us to this morning and Coherent saying that Lumentum has increased their original bid to $6.9 billion. And oh, by the way, shares of Coherent are up 70% year-to-date. Not in the past 12 months, 
just here in 2021. Um, <laughs> there are a couple of different ways I want to go here. Uh, let me start with this, because at, when we talked about this on Market Foolery back in January, one of the things you had said about Coherent was, look, and I'm paraphrasing, but you said, look, they, they do some interesting stuff. They do some things that Lumentum doesn't do, but Coherent as a business has kind of struggled over the past year. Um, uh, so, I, I, I guess my first question is, are you surprised by this bidding war for this business? <laughs> it it is, yeah. I, I must say, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit surprised by it. I, I I would pay money for for Dan to to insert like the as the world turns music into this <laughs> this intro because I really this is like the soap opera of 2021 thus far, right? I mean, this has been pretty fascinating to watch. And I mean, I I, I have recommended Lumentum and Two Six. Um, as 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 uh, stocks for for members uh, over over the course of the years, and and I I think, I mean I didn't see this coming. It really felt like with the initial momentum coherent tie up, both parties were happy. They kind of came to an agreement initially. That transaction was valued at around five point seven billion dollars. Coherent stockholders would get. $100 per share in cash and 1.1851 shares of momentum for each coherent share. And then as you as you as you noted, I mean this went back and forth with a few different companies and really it all boils down to what coherent does well. Um I it, you know the business hasn't performed uh all that great recently and a part of that is just due to general market conditions, but this all boils down to getting coherent's laser expertise. And that's lasers and photonics, I mean they just represent a big opportunity and, and that's something that uh Lumentum does, but it's a very small part of their business. Lumentum's bigger focus as as I've mentioned before, is on that vertical cavity surface emitting laser technology. I know that's it's a mouthful, but but that's ultimately sensor based technology that's going to play more into our lives as as we see five G and six G connectivity get faster. So so then you you fast forward to today. Now I mean, coherent stockholders will receive two hundred and twenty dollars per share in cash and 0.61 shares of momentum. So they really sweeten the deal. By amping up the amount of cash as opposed to the the percentage of shares that you would get in in momentum stock, and I, I think another I think another reason why this deal this is probably the last uh, tango. I think this this probably will wrap it up is because you have a a a, a tech investment uh, firm out there, Silver Lake, which is really. Um, is really supporting this deal. I mean, they're going to invest one billion dollars in, in in the new business, um, and they they've I think got something like eighty billion dollars in, in assets and are uh, management today very tech focused. So so they have a lot of expertise in a lot of these different areas. Um, so so again, this is about the laser business. Lumentum clearly wants it two six. I understand why they would want it as well. Um, it, it is not cheap. I mean, this is this is something where you're they're they're going to be paying around an EV to EBITDA of 60 times. That's a little bit uh, reflective of less than normal times, given the current state of affairs. Still, they're paying up for it, and it must it must be feeling pretty good right now to be a coherent shareholder, knowing that you're in such high demand. So you go back to January 15th, which was I believe the the, the last trading day or uh, before. The original bid was announced. Shares of Lumentum are down nearly 20% since then. And I get part of it is the overall drop in NASDAQ stocks that we've seen over the past month. But yeah. 
if you're if you're a momentum <laughs> share, you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of. I'm wondering if the reverse is true. Uh, the reverse of what you said about Co, uh, about Coupa Software. It's like, well, if you like Coupa Software business yesterday, you're probably going to like it more now that the stock is eight percent cheaper. Um, if if you were somewhat okay with the deal as a Lumentum shareholder when it was five point seven billion, are you less okay with it now? I mean, you have to be at six point nine. You can't be thrilled that the, you're paying a higher price. Well, they're paying more. I mean, it, it really remains to be seen as, as to whether it's going to be worth it, right? I mean, that is that is these these folks know the business clearly better than we do, um, and I mean, I think it's safe to assume there is going to be a healthy chunk of goodwill that moves over to Lumentum's balance sheet. That yeah, I mean, goodwill is is one of those things you you could, you could view it any number of ways. I mean, ultimately. Even if they take impairments, I mean, then you, then you just look at it through an adjusted lens, and we live in an adjusted world now, Chris. So uh, I don't know that that would be something investors would focus terribly on. I mean, this this deal is essentially going to double the size of Lumentum, and and so I I mean I understand the I understand them coveting that laser side of the business. I, I absolutely get that, and if if they believe. That they can, uh, if they believe that they can realize the cost savings, it does sound like they they kind of went back through the numbers and came up with some additional ways to save some money to make to, to justify this this uh, increased offer. Then um, more power to them. And and I think getting that Silver Lake backing is is encouraging because it it does seem like you've got a a few other. Uh, well-schooled parties in the space that that seem like they they really back this combination. Um, generally speaking, yeah, I'd rather see them get it for cheaper than more expensive. But I, I guess time will tell as as to whether it really ends up paying off. But there's no question; it's it's going to make it a much larger company, um, and it and it's going to open up the market opportunity for this for this uh, newly uh, newly sized momentum once the deal closes. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.